You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. Welcome, Jessica, to Unscripted with Alex. Thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you. Good to be here. So today we've got Jessica James from Nurture Her Boutique, and you're going to be sharing your pregnancy and your birth story with us and a little bit about your postpartum recovery. Yeah. So let's dive straight into it and start at the beginning, getting pregnant. Was it hard for you or did it sort of just happen? It definitely didn't just happen. We tried for about nine months, so we... Got married, went on our honeymoon, not yeah, like within the year. And then when we came back, we we're ready to start trying. Thought because we'd been avoiding falling pregnant for eight years that it would automatically happen. <laughs> but um, I have a bit of a hormone imbalance, so I don't make much progesterone. And I was quite stressed at my job, so it took quite a while for it to happen. But mm. We got there. That's good. Yeah, we are under that impression. We're only just saying on the last episode, actually, that I recorded that we put so much time and effort into our childhood or our teens or whenever yeah. we're sexually active to not get pregnant. Yeah. Childhood. Hopefully no one's doing it that young. <laughs> no. let <laughs> say adulthood, but early adulthood. Yeah. Um, I feel like we were children then because we're so much older now. Yeah, to not get pregnant because mm. we think it's just going to happen. But yeah. yeah. I spent way too many years taking pregnancy tests when I 100% would not have been pregnant. <laughs> I know, don't we just yeah. spend so much money wasting those things? Yeah. Anyway, so you eventually... Um, did fall pregnant after, did you say nine months? Nine months, yeah. And so what was that feeling? Or like, tell me, how did you find out it was it? Well, the month that we fell pregnant, my husband, he's FIFO, one week on, one week off. So obviously that was a factor as well to like not falling pregnant straight away. And when we did fall pregnant was, he wasn't meant to be home when I was ovulating, uh, but my pop passed away, which was kind of, it was expected, it was happening. Um, And then, so he passed away. I got Jason to fly to Perth to meet me. And coincidentally, I was on like the last day of ovulation. Not that I wanted to have sex, but I was like, well, we really can't miss this month if we have the chance. So we you know, gave it a go. And of course that was the month because I was certain that we would not fall pregnant because stress was such a big factor for me not falling pregnant. I thought, well, I'm stressed. My pops just passed away. I'm upset. So yeah, a week or 10 days later when, you know, you're not meant to take the pregnancy test yet, but (laughs) I was starting to feel nauseous and everything. So took the test the day before Jason got home from work and it was positive. So I was, I was shocked and I don't know if I really believed it. I think I was a little bit in denial. But it was because I was by myself, you know, didn't really have that person to ex- do the um, happiness with, you know, in on the day. That was my own fault for taking it so early. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably do the same. It's just that curiosity of, like, yeah. not knowing. What were the symptoms that you were sort of getting at? Was it just the nausea or did um, you just have a feeling? I had maybe? a migraine for about five days straight because <laughs> oh, I gosh. get migraines, so... The five days straight migraine plus the nausea. I don't actually get nausea with my migraines, which is lucky. But the combination of those two, I was like, this is not my normal migraine and nothing is working. And I didn't want to keep taking my migraine medication if I was pregnant. So that was kind of why I also rushed into taking the test. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I suppose that could potentially be a hormone 
probably. It is. Yeah, the yeah, hormone 100%. change is yeah. triggered off that migraine. Yeah. Um, do you commonly, this is sort of digressing a little bit, but do you commonly get migraines around period time? Yeah, or? I get them when I'm ovulating and when I have my period. Mm. Yeah. So, so most people can check. Temp- yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most can check um, if they're ovulating based on temperature changes yeah, and no. tracking. You're like, no, I've got a migraine. Yeah. I, have, I am ovulating. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, that really is quite sexy then, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the bedroom. (laughs) If only they fixed migraines. (laughs) Do you find yourself constantly reaching for sugary foods? It's no secret that eating too much sugar can wreak havoc on your gut health. Not only does it feed bad gut bacteria, but it can also cause inflammation and damage to the gut lining. Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol is here to help. Our simple four-week reset program is designed to remove triggers and unwanted microbes, supporting you through your sugar hangover and repairing the gut. So why wait? Start feeling better today with Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol. So you were on your own at home when I did the test. Yeah. What was running through your mind? I started planning a little box that I was going to get Jason the next day because he was flying in at night time. I had the day of work, so I knew I had my lunch break here in Bustleton and I was, yeah, just planning straight away what I was going to, how I was going to tell Jason. So then the next morning, yeah, got to work, um, went on my lunch break probably about 10 o'clock because I was too excited. <laughs> went and bought him a little onesie, a baby name book, even though we had our name picked already. I don't know why I got that. I think I was trying to get anything I could find. Um, and like one of those cheesy slogan shirts that says like world's best dad or my dad does big farts or something like that. <laughs> That's so yeah. good. Yeah. And so, um, he came home the next day, was it? So you didn't have to he wait too long? He came home that night. So I gave it to him when he got home. And what yeah. was his face Yeah, like? he was excited. He was shocked as well. Cause we just both didn't think that it was a possibility that month. We're like, oh, typical, the month that you literally put zero pressure on it is when it happens. That's so interesting how that happens. I think, I wonder if just by vocalising, oh, well, I'm stressed, it's not going to happen, that yes, sort of relieves I reckon. some stress. Yeah, and because it wasn't work stress or anything else, it was like a different type of stress. Mm. So it was. I, I then was able to label it as that and, you know, deal with it. Yeah, that's interesting. You could label it as, yeah, going through grief and knowing exactly what's causing it. Whereas in work scenario and everyday life, we just go through the motions. Well, you can't really stop it either. Like, yeah, I still had to go to work and do the job that I was finding stressful. Mm. Um, It's not like you can take a few days off saying I'm stressed. Whereas Pops passed away, yes, take a few days off, deal with it. So actually process the stress. Yeah, that's interesting. And be around friends and family Mm. and connect with people. Yeah. 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 So how was your pregnancy? How were you feeling throughout? Like, did that nausea last through? Yeah. Much? I, I was nauseous, but I never vomited. So lucky in that. Um, but I was nauseous for the first 12 weeks, maybe really bad for the first eight weeks. Then, you know, mediumly for the next four, for the first 16 weeks, I had a migraine or headache every single day. And you're not allowed to take well, I thought at the time, you know, when I take Nurofen um, or my Sumatriptan, which is the migraine medication I take. So I wasn't taking anything. So I was doing every natural remedy that, FYI, does not work, um, <laughs> under the sun and drinking like these hydration <laughs> drinks, Aquamama drinks that I found like every single day. They took the edge off a little bit, but definitely 
I just had them flat out for 16 weeks. Oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Did you talk to your doctor about it? Yeah. Yeah. I went, I was, I reckon I had an appointment every couple of weeks saying, surely there's something I can take now. Like surely. They were just wasn't. wanting you to get through that first trimester yeah. at least before yeah. started starting yeah. to implement some things. And at different stages in your pregnancy, you can, well, don't take this as an advice, people, <laughs> even though I am I a pharmacist. You can go get, but, like, fluids and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And different stages, they can have different forms of pain relief. Mm. And towards the end of the pregnancy, again, it changes. So, yeah, yeah but you do need to be quite quite yeah. careful. Did it um, just all of a sudden go away then? It did. We went um, up to Coral Bay with some family and that was at 16 weeks. And I don't know if it was the release of not being at work or just, you know, the holiday, the sun, because <laughs> it was around um, May, June. So it was just that little holiday got rid of my headaches. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I just want to jump back a little bit because I remember when I first did, I, well, I've only been pregnant once, when I got pregnant and I remember messaging my one friend and being like, when am I meant to go to the doctors? Like, oh. <laughs> what did you do? Like, how early did you um, go to the doctors? My sister had a private midwife down here. Uh, Are we allowed to? Yeah, of course. Yeah, who is? She had Sam Mansfield. Okay. I was going to say, there's really just two main ones at the moment, but we're hoping to. So she had Sam. So I was extremely present in her first birth. And then, uh, you know, I was around a lot for the second baby, which she gave birth just after I'd fallen pregnant. So we had this crossover. So I knew that as soon as she was like, you better get in, like message her straight away. So literally that, like the week that Jason came home, I knew I was pregnant. I messaged Sam the next day. Like she was the next person to know after my sister. Oh my God, um, so I, we went and saw her that week. So you had Sam then as your yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. She, both of them, I think, were not around when I, we we were due in January. I think it's their holiday time. So I'm thinking oh, next yeah. time we're planning, we are going to make sure yeah. it's not going to be when they have holidays. Yeah, <laughs> I was due like the 4th of December. Okay. So, um, but had him earlier. Yes, but as yeah, we so will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will learn why that happened. Yeah. So you did most of your, all your consults really with Sam? Yeah. Yep. I only had one appointment with an obstetrician. Okay. And that's because you have to have one on the books, which is fine. That went well. But, yeah, I had Sam for everything else, mm. which was amazing because I didn't feel like going to the doctors, yeah. <laughs> especially with my migraines. So yeah, it was so good to have home visits. Yeah. So down here, the listeners would probably have heard in a couple of our episodes where we try to explain the system yes, <laughs> down here because yes, it's I've different, <laughs> obviously, in every place in Australia. Mm. So city compared to here as well and over east would be a different system. Yeah. So down here we've got the private midwives and you can either do shared care where you could see your GP and, and your private midwife. Yeah. If you're going to see a private midwife, like you said, you don't really need to go to the doctors yeah. other than getting that first or mm. one consult to be on the books and in the system so yeah. that if you were to be transferred yeah. into hospital or anything, then they also. Yeah. And I didn't actually have a regular GP. Like yeah. I'd only lived down here for maybe like for almost three years by then, but I hadn't had much need to go to the doctors. So I'd always just booked whatever appointment I could get on the day. Mm. So that was also a thing. I didn't really know any GP that I personally trusted. Yeah. You didn't have a yeah. connection with anyone. No. So you were able to, so that's the great thing as well about the private midwife. Mm. They come to your house, you get to yeah. build a beautiful relationship with yeah. them and they do all of your checkups they also send you off to do your bloods and everything, yeah, don't they? Yeah, yes. They give you the referral to all the um, 
blood tests, ultrasounds, everything. Even to the point where, you know, you've got some weird feeling in the middle of the night, you just message them. There was one day I was at work and I was stressing out because I felt like I hadn't felt him move that day. And I messaged her because I was working in Boston and she lives here. I was messaging her and she's like, I'm just going to come in and have a quick check. She came into my office and gave me a quick check over. Oh, so my God. That's, that's so pretty good. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just for peace of mind. Yeah. And so how else did you find that whole process then? Like, did you, you do all your planning for your birth with her? Were you planning on doing hospital or home birth? Yeah, I was planning on hospital birth uh, in Bustleton. So we did some, instead of going to hospital for hospital classes, I got a few of my friends together because we were all pregnant due at the same time. So we had a little hospital lesson, I suppose, at my house um, with Sam leading it. So Uh we did two of those on like a Sunday afternoon with the partners and it was good because we didn't have to go into hospital and sit in the, you know, plastic chairs. (laughs) We were just on the couch with the fire on and having a cup of coffee chatting about it. Doesn't that sound so, so much better than yeah. <laughs> going into the hospital in city in the yeah. sterile kind of uncomfortable environment? Yeah. And so that's another really interesting point then. Just because you have a private midwife doesn't mean you have to do a home birth. Yes. You can do a hospital birth. Yeah, I just... I wasn't interested in a home birth. Yeah, yeah fair I just enough. wanted a hospital birth, but with a private midwife, I wanted to have that continuity of care and to know the person who was giving me the advice and telling me the things on the day. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. And so, what we do to learn now is that at was it thirty seven plus five weeks? Yeah, you found out you had obstetric cholestasis. I'm reading my <laughs> notes so I Good don't job. get that wrong. <laughs> it's taken me probably two years to start saying it correctly. So, Um, first of all, what is that? So, I'm not the best at describing it, but it is when you're, as in the mother, the liver stops processing the bile acids, I think that's what it's called. So, basically, it stops acting as the, you know, detoxing organ, and then you get a build-up of bile acids in you, the mother, Mm -hmm. and it comes out in, um, like, you. the symptom of it is you get itchy hands and feet, mainly at night time. That's such an interesting... It's really rare. Like, you don't really hear about it. I only knew about the warning of itchy hands and feet because my sister's friend had it, and she's the only other person I've ever come across that's had it. Mm. So if she hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known that that was something to, like, alert my midwife of. Mm. I think I had read somewhere in along, you know, when you're doing all your little researching when you're you're pregnant and reading all things, I did read something there about itchy hands and feet, but I never understood Mm. what that was all about. Yeah. So for you, was it really intense sort of itchy? It it was a slow build. I reckon at 36 weeks I got itchy hands and feet, but it was starting to warm up at night. Like, it was November late November so yeah it was I I just thought I was sweaty you know you're pregnant you're hot you're sweaty can't get comfortable I thought that was my problem and then as the nights went on my hands and feet just got itchier and itchier so I started getting like flannels and ice packs to put on my hands like just to hold well so I could at least get to sleep because I would be numbed so yeah and then eventually I thought okay no this is more than just because I also get eczema so I I thought as well that maybe it was just eczema starting to flare up so then I thought at 37 weeks I was like no I've got to tell Sam about this um and she booked me for a blood test like that day I had the blood test she said my levels I I didn't have it but if the itching increases you know in two days time we'll go again for another blood test so did that so that was what 37 plus two 
I had the blood test that afternoon, so the next morning the results came back and, yeah, I'd gone into the, the zone, the red zone of having it. That's so interesting because mm. I assume the test that they're looking at is your liver function test. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, or, like, the levels of your bile yeah. in your system or something yeah. like that. And so why the liver functions, your enzymes are going yeah. up and down like why a couple of days before yeah. they were showing something different yeah and that is something I've yeah I've not really been able to figure mm. out either you know I've done my own research at home and there's no real explanation as to why it happens not that I've been able to find anyway mm. so that's interesting yeah just on a side note again having itchiness at night time is often a sign of some liver detoxing thing going on so mm. that makes sense but it can be itching anywhere whereas in pregnancy yeah. so in this condition it's obviously specific to hands well primarily hands and feet yeah. did you get it anywhere else no no, no just, just my hands and feet yeah. yeah and so what did that mean for you then in your pregnancy my midwife called that morning uh, at 37 and 5. Well, no, it was 37 and 6 at that point. She called that morning and said that she had already consulted with my obstetrician and that they had both decided that the only option was induction. Okay. So that was the safest option because at the time what she said, which I think is you know the main reason, is that stillbirth increases, the rate of stillbirth increases after 38 weeks. Which right. I was two days short of. Oh my god! So it was a bit of a Quick pressure dis- cooker situation. Yeah, yeah. So Sam basically said, "So, like, obviously, it was a really gentle conversation." And then, yeah, she said, "It either has to be tomorrow or the next day to get you in before thirty-eight weeks." Wow. So in your yeah. mind, you're thinking, hmm, first pregnancy, maybe I'm going to go yeah. like 41 weeks yeah. or mean, even I longer. Was, I was ready. Oh, okay. So you were like, <laughs> I'm ready. over this. Yeah. Get it out. I was done. <laughs> okay. So yeah. how did you feel about that then? You were like, cool, let's go, let's do it. Or were you nervous? I was straight into problem solve mode. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually in Cape Mount at the time getting the last minute bits and bobs because mm-hmm. I had an inkling that it wouldn't be long. And we were also renovating our house. So my husband still had to paint our ceiling and put our floors down. We had a lot to do in that two weeks. That didn't eventually. <laughs> the two weeks is now two days. Yeah. Um, he did an amazing job. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I was straight away into problem-solving mode. So, mode. so we went to, we got the capsule fitted straight away, like, straight from that conversation. We stopped in and had a bit of a stretch and sweep with Sam at her home <laughs> to try and see if we could bring on labour ourselves. Did not work. I love <laughs> how even <laughs> it's just thrown around the stretch and sweep. Like we just had a stretch yeah. and sweep. It was horrible. I, I was- hated the experience. She, I don't think we actually ended up doing it because like the first two seconds I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Induction tomorrow, let's just do that. Yeah, and it 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 depends as well. Like if you're not even at all near being ready to give birth, then that is not even going to work and it won't be comfortable because your cervix is like... She did say that it was extremely soft and ripe and I probably could actually... Oh, really? go into labour before that next day. Wow. Yeah, she said possibly even one centimetre-ish. Wow. But hard to tell. Okay. But she said it was really ripe. Okay. So, but you just found the process it was, too uncomfortable. I just felt like a knife was going up there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I think it's not yeah. really explained no. what it is. It kind of, you just kind of think it's just a little 
like a, a feather duster going to go and give you a little swipe up there, but it's definitely not. No, they go up and they are trying to... Like stretch it. Literally. Yes, yeah. stretch around your cervix yeah. and pulling a bit of the membranes off yeah. to try and bring on labour. Mm. It's It would have to have been designed by a man. Yeah, like we'll just horrible. shove something up there. We'll yeah. just bang it out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll move this stuff away. <laughs> Spin it out. <laughs> so, okay, so that was yeah. that was done. You're not doing that anymore. No. So what yes. was your next step? We went home, packed the bags, you know, got all the food ready, everything you do. I was stressing hard all day. I have a pretty low pain threshold. At least I've coined that myself. So I was really worried about the pain. And I also didn't know much information about inductions. Like Sam had told me the technical things about the process, but I just didn't know what I was going in for, you know? You never know. It's labour. You don't know it, even if it's not induction. You just don't know what's coming. And that part really uh, stressed me out because I'm an organiser. <laughs> <laughs> so that night as well when we went to bed, um, you know, Jason went to sleep. I was laying in bed wide-eyed, itchy hands and feet, <laughs> stressing hard, ended up having a panic attack in the shower at midnight because I, I wanted him to sleep because we had to drive all the way to Bunbury the next day and we're in Dunsborough. So, you know, that's a long drive at 5 a.m., I did the nice thing and let him sleep while I was in the shower stressing. There was also nothing he could have done. After that, I feel like I released everything and I went and had five hours sleep. So oh, that was something. Good. Yeah. So you just needed to release all of yeah. that built up tension. Yeah. And sort of leading up to this, did you go through stuff with Sam or, or any like hypnobirthing or anything around trying like techniques for managing pain or working through um, these anxieties and stresses leading up to it? Because obviously it's yeah. very common and I would say every woman would be stressing yeah. it out. We probably did, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I was worried the entire pregnancy, like in the back of my mind, I was just worried about how I would handle labour because of my low pain threshold. So, yeah, I think I never really let my mind go there too much. I didn't do hypnobirthing. I don't know why I didn't do it because now it's 100% something I would do. I think I just had a lot of faith in the fact that I had heard a lot of people's birth stories. I was aware of all of, you know, the the options and the ways it could go. And I knew about, you know, the breathing techniques and the, like, if you have a clenched jaw, then you've got a clenched cervix. Like, I knew all those little tidbits, so I thought, oh, I'll be fine. <laughs> You're exactly right in what you just said. Like, you don't have to do a hypnobirthing course. You don't Mm. have to do anything. You can just gather stories and information and work through on your own. And and like you said, what will be will be. (laughs) And you don't know what you're going into. And if you have some tools in your bag to try and utilise throughout your birth, then then great. But, yeah, I suppose just for for you it sounds like just trying to work through the emotional stress side of things. Yeah. I didn't think that I would be mentally strong enough to stick to hypnobirthing. Yeah. And I didn't want to put too much pressure on the idea of no drugs because I wanted to be able to make the decision and be confident in that decision at that time and not feel like I've let myself down. Yeah. You know, or that I'd wasted five, six hundred dollars on hypnobirthing and then gone and got an epidural anyway. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't want to put that pressure on myself. Yeah, relieve yeah. yourself from that pressure. Yeah. 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 And so, okay, now you're getting up at 5 a.m. So you yeah. had at least five hours sleep. That's yeah. good. So you're up early, early and driving to yeah. Bunbury because they would be the only place that can yes. do it right at that time. Yeah, yeah by 38 weeks for yeah. induction, yeah. Okay. So and Sam went with you? She met us there. Mm-hmm. On the way, though, I was getting period-like cramps. 
So my back was sore and I was getting little cramps every 10 minutes. So in my head I was like, oh, great, this is good. I meant to do it today. Like I think I'm in pre-labour, not that I know too much about it, but, you know, I started timing on my phone because I was like, if I can be in labour by the time I get there, I don't have to be induced, you know, amazing. That's not what happened. But, yeah, I just was in my head like getting excited, which Mm. is good. I'm glad I had those pains or or else I would have spent the entire drive. Probably in tears. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you had something to distract your mind yeah. from. Yeah. yeah so then we got to the hospital, Sam Madison reception, and then we went up to the room that we're in. And I think it was at about eight o'clock that they came in and started the process. So that two hours of waiting, though, was torture. I don't like waiting, <laughs> especially not when, you know, you're waiting for something so major. So two hours, that is a long time to Mm. be waiting. And so where are you waiting, like Um, in the room? In the room that it all then happened in. So I don't know what it's called, the maternity suite? Yeah, Yeah. in the maternity suite at Bunbury Hospital. Okay. But I had a little cry to Jason just to release those stress hormones that I was having. Yeah, Um, I mean, there's all sorts of hormones that mm, are going crazy at that time anyway on top of the whole process and everything that's going on for you and also the fact that it's all of a sudden just happening yes and we thought you had you know a few weeks maybe yeah so what was the process then for induction so I had the I don't know which order this was in but I had the syntocin drip um and they broke my waters with the little hook thing um so I don't know which order that happened I can't remember but I have a funny story about the waters breaking so the waters broke and you know you think it's going to be a trickle or whatever, especially when they break it manually, it was just a gush. And then straight away I was like, oh, my gosh, I, why did no one tell me that this would smell so bad? And then everyone else in the room was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, that is putrid. Like, I think I'm going to vomit. And they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, my waters. Is that what the smell is? And no one else could smell it except me. And I thought it was the most rank smell I've ever smelled in my life. I still remember it to this day. Are you serious? Yeah. Only you could Only smell it. I could smell it. Yeah. I was saying, because Jason is OCD, clean freak. Like, if anyone's going to smell a bad smell, it's him. And he was like, what are you talking about? There's no smell. That's so interesting. Yeah. Do you think it was just like hypersensitive I have smell no idea. from being pregnant? I have or? absolutely no idea, but it was the worst and you're like that is my life well luckily nobody else can smell it (laughs) i had to get one of the midwives was like oh here we go i have an idea and she got a flannel and put some essential oils on it and she was like just pop that on my shoulder so i you know it kept falling off obviously but every time it fell off she's came in and grabbed it and just put it on my nose so that i could get some relief from the smell so funny. So wait, yeah. hang on. Do they clean it all up then yeah. to try and get rid of a bit well, of Well, Jason, <laughs> the OCD freak who doesn't like to touch anything gross, was walking around behind me with a, a like towel on the floor, you know, with his feet shimmying it behind me because it just keeps trickling out when you've been induced. I don't know if that's normal for normal labour either, but it just kept kept coming out. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know either. What behind me? That's so funny. <laughs> um, well. You know what's to come with mm. um, having well giving giving birth to the baby and then having a baby. His yeah, little yeah. Um, OCD <laughs> cleanliness is going to have to kind of go. Out I the think window. you just let it go yeah. in that first moment with the waters. <laughs> uh, so then, how long until you started? To, like, um, did you start to feel? I, I got them straight away. Yeah, because so, of the syntocin. Yes, yep. um, which I also didn't quite realize. I think I knew all this, but I'd just forgotten it in the um, stress of it all. But yeah, so it was it was hard and fast. They yeah. were about 
five minutes apart from the beginning and then pretty quickly three minutes apart, two minutes apart, the contractions. So in my mind I was thinking, okay, this is hard and fast. It's not going to be long, Mm. you know, but But because I didn't know that that's just common for induction. Yeah, I was going to say that's not the case with induction. It's just because it's the synthetic form of it and you don't have the other hormones going through the body which is trying to control. Yeah. You're not getting that flow. And also actually even when they say about getting um, the waves of the, the oxytocin. Yeah, like even without an induction, mm. they sort of talk about having these waves of where you'll get your contraction or your, your tensions yeah. or your surges, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They come up and then they go away. And yes. that's actually not always the case either. Yeah. They kind of come up and mine kind of like just stayed. Yeah. <laughs> like when's it going away? Yeah. And then it'll go and they'll come again really quickly. Yeah. They can be all over the place. But for you yeah. in with a um, syntocin, was it? pretty like it was pretty bang on yeah yeah like I'd have a contraction I was having gas pretty much straight away because I was already not dealing (laughs) yeah so I'd I'd get the hang of like breathing in the gas because I'm also really weird when it comes to breathing I'm not that great at getting the rhythm I don't know like I can breathe on the day to day (laughs) it's really strange so they had to basically teach me how to use the gas because I wasn't inhaling correctly (laughs) Um, so I was getting the hang of the gas and then the contraction would go. So, you know, he'd be like, oh, my God, thank God, have a second to breathe, and then it would be back again. So I had almost less rest time than I was having contraction time. Wow. So I spent a lot of time in the shower. I think I was there for two hours without realising. Now I feel really bad for how much water I wasted. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't think that counts in, no. in labour. You just <laughs> yeah. do what you need to do. I wanted a water birth. So the fact that I wasn't even, like, that was not an option for me. I was like, okay, I need water. So, yeah, we are in the shower for quite a while. And was that, um, were you putting it on your tummy and on no, your back? No, it was on my just back. Standing? Yeah. Yeah, so I was, I was sitting on a chair, like, leaning on a table, you know, one of those little food tables that they have on the chairs, I mean, on the beds. So I was leaning on one of them. Um, but yeah, it it was, it was pretty bad. It was not fun. Did you have any music or anything like that? Um, yeah, I had a playlist that was on, which I only really remember paying attention to like when Levi was physically born. The rest of the time it was just background music, which it was good, but didn't do much for me. Yeah. I don't think it did much for me either. At one point, because we had the hypno tracks going at one point, the lady was saying something like, and just relax oh, no. or something. And I was like, I'm trying to relax. <laughs> I was like talking back to her. I was like, I don't think this is working. <laughs> yeah. But also, so after seven hours, no, after five hours, they checked me and I think I was like two centimetres, which was disheartening. Like knowing that going into my next one, I don't want to be checked, you know, unless it's certain that there'd be a, a big progression. And then after seven hours, so when I was in the shower, it had been seven hours. I turned to my midwife and because I had made the rule, I didn't want anyone to suggest intervention. You know, I didn't want anyone to suggest epidural. I wanted to come up with it when I was ready. So, but I've been thinking it for seven hours. <laughs> so I turned and said to Sam, I was like, okay, you tell me my options. Like what, what is the epidural process? What's it going to do to me? I need to know you know, is it too late? Is it too soon? And she was like, okay, well, you know, if you want to be checked again, we can check you if that will help you. But you're 100%, you know, safe to have it. We would make the call. We'll wait for the anaesthetist, you know, right, right, right. So I'd, I just had to be checked again because I thought in my head, okay, if I'm more than five, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to do it because I can do that. But I was three. 
So oh. I did seven hours. I was three centimetres. So, you know, maths-wise, in my head, I had like 20 to go. <laughs> and yeah. I could not do that. And I think that's the reason why mm-hmm. a lot of women opt to not be checked yeah. because it no, just doesn't work like yeah. that. You can't tell yes. how long yeah. it's going to take. Yeah, except the epidural was amazing. I was going to say, me. but except for, yes. In, and I think that's the difference. Like if I was to be induced again, I know what what is kind of to come, you know, roughly off the same thing. But if I was to have a natural labour again, that would be a whole different story, you know. Yeah, so three centimetres, I said, yeah, give it to me. We waited maybe like 40 minutes. He came in. Um, it took three attempts, so it took an hour and a half. Oh, my God. And you're surging every three minutes through this? It was every minute by then. So oh minute on, 30 God. seconds off. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Like, you just don't want to be touched yeah. when you're going through that yeah, and then having someone. Yeah, it was horrendous. At that point, I learned to breathe <laughs> pretty quickly because I was just sucking on the gas so there was no tomorrow. <laughs> Jason's arms got a good clawing. Poor thing, because he was sitting in front of me with his arms out. Like I was holding onto his forearms and clawing the shit out of them. I didn't even know I was doing it. So that was fun. Mm. But it got in eventually. I laid down and it was like the previous seven hours hadn't even happened. Oh my we God. were so happy. Jason and I were sitting there and we just took a big sigh of relief. And he was like, thank God you had that epidural because he was getting so stressed and he didn't know what to do. You know, it was a nice relief for him as well to see me not in so much pain and turmoil. So Yeah, it would be nice. very hard for the carers to yeah, watch yeah. Their, their loved one being yeah. in, in pain. And it's also hard for them to know exactly yeah. what you are going through. Exactly, yeah. And I was glad that Sam was there because, and this is the other reason I booked her, <laughs> she would, you know, come up to me and push on my back in a certain spot and that would be the spot I needed it. And then she'd, you know, wave Jason over and say, okay, this is where she wants it. And then he would push on my back on that spot. So he, she told him what to do and it was what worked because generally if, if Jason was to try something himself, I'd be like, that's not the right spot, get off me. You know, he just didn't know, which is fine, but Sam knew. So that was really great. Yeah. yeah. And so how long now then were you going through your labour until you gave birth? So it was another seven hours oh, wow. on the bed, um, like laying down, relaxing, loving life. <laughs> so were you thinking, uh, thank God yeah, I'm the yeah. <laughs> It was a good break, but I was also getting impatient, you know, as you do, because I'd been there since 6am. It was, I reckon it was 9pm when um, Sam checked me. She was like, oh, you're nine centimetres. Let's start, you know, practice pushing to try and get you ready and get your body moving. Because I still, I didn't want to labour on my back. I just wanted to be on all fours and use my legs, which I didn't realise meant that they had to turn the epidural down. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So yeah. that meant then only a partial mm. epidural because you need to be able which to I'm feel Which I'm sure your they legs. told me, <laughs> yeah. but I do not recall. But that's fine because I got to use my legs. So I was leaning on the back of the bed, you know, pushing when they told me to for a while without, you know, much happening. And then I started getting cramps in my right glute. which made things not fun. So I tried on my side, like laying on my side, but the cramps in my right glute just were so bad Mm -hmm. that I ended up standing, well, not standing, they got me the toilet seat stool. Mm -hmm. So I was squatting over that, which was great. That was the exact position that felt comfortable, which is ironic because my glute was cramping and I was squatting and that was how it felt comfortable. But were you sitting on it? Yeah, I suppose in between the 
in between yeah. the surges. Um, so it must be meant that your glute was able to relax or yeah. something during. Yeah. Yeah, but that is interesting. Yeah, maybe it needed to be engaged rather than at, like, an odd angle. Yeah, very interesting. When you had your epidural, like, before you got to the pushing part, did you get to have, have like, a sleep, a nap or something? I tried, but no, not really. No, I could still feel when the contractions were happening and, you know, they were slightly uncomfortable, but not not anything like before. Yeah. But, yeah, so I could still feel them and I knew they were happening, so it wasn't really the situation where I could relax too much. Yeah. Yeah. So you finished most the rest of the labour yeah. on that seaty thing. Seat, yeah. Um, gave birth to Levi on the seat. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So and little to my knowledge, had a massive tear. Yeah. That I didn't. I didn't know. Okay. Like the whole thing hurt. You know, mm. it was excruciating. I, I. It's not like I could locate where exactly that or when the tear happened. Just yeah. Because I was using my legs and the epidural wasn't working for that section. Like they turned it down. I definitely felt all the ring of fire pain <laughs> yes i remember yelling out now i understand yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you could feel the head coming out yeah. and yeah it does definitely feels like a ring of fire doesn't yes it? yeah so horrible unusual. and it was pretty funny jason and i had discussed many times that um in the moment you know when they say dad do you want to look that he wouldn't because he's you know doesn't like gruesome stuff and i also i'm not the kind of person that would look either I would now. Now, after you've had one, it changes. But before, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not looking. And in that moment, they had a mirror down there, and they were like, oh, we can see the head. Jason, do you want to see? And I, like, laughed because, you know, I knew the answer. And he was like, oh, yeah. And he got down there and had a look, and I almost covered it because I was like, what are you doing? Not that I cared about, you know, being private or anything, but I was like, what are you doing? You no, you, you, didn't, didn't, want you didn't want to. And he was like, no, 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 I want to now. And he had a look and he was like, oh my gosh, you should look. And I was like, I don't know if I want to. Like he'd changed the plan and I was so confused. <laughs> did you um, look? I did. I had a quick glance. I was like, no, nah, I don't need to see it. I don't need to. It was just all a bit too much. I was already feeling it. I didn't need to see it. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the having the visual of what you're feeling, you're yeah. like, yes, no, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't particularly like gory stuff myself, even yeah. though that was my own body and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just... I think it's I fine. <laughs> Everybody's different in what they, they want. Yeah. It, it is quite funny that he his mind did flip because I think mm. what we think prior to going in is so yeah. different to when you're in the situation. I think his mind flipped the second my waters were broken. Really? He was yeah. lost all his OCD tendencies and was just straight into like, let's mop up these waters, let's have a look down there, yeah. let's, you know. Care was for that, you? Who, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, right? <laughs> he just didn't care yeah. about anything that usually would have grossed him out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's there to care for you and to yeah. welcome his new child yeah. to the world. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And yes, fellas, if you don't like poo or <laughs> ladies, if you don't like poo, tough, like it you. happens. <laughs> and often a lot of it. <laughs> uh, so your baby was delivered and did you pull up onto your... Yes. Yep. So um, Sam, Sam grabbed him um, and handed him straight to me. But it was also, I was... Because they'd seen I'd torn, it was a get straight to the bed okay. scenario. So, like, she handed him to me but then kind of, like, helped me over to the bed um, and helped me onto the bed straight away so that I could hold him. I didn't know that I'd torn yet. Um, I thought they were just, you know, cleaning me up, getting the placenta thing done, but they were, you know, looking at the tear and, and calling the obstetrician who was on call. 
Was there a lot of blood coming through No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. They didn't say anything about blood loss, so there mustn't have been. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had a third degree tear, is that right? Yeah, 3C. 3C. So what's Mm. the C bit of it? I Googled this last night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So third degree is when it's from like the whole way into your anal sphincter. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, And then the C is how deep. Ah, okay. So there's A, B, C, D. So it was almost the all the way through, like Mm. up. As well, I suppose, yeah. So it's going through skin and muscle. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it went through, I suppose, yeah, three layers mm. of four. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So vagina down to anal sphincter, yeah, but so not all the way like through about like a millimetre or two away from the anal sphincter. So that, yeah, if okay. it went all the way through, it would be a fourth degree. Mm. So it was that close to, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's in hindsight, it's, it's not even really worth sort of going back and thinking about it, but... Was the discussion around episiotomy ever discussed? No. um, I do know that the obstetrician who was on at the time, I know that he came and knocked on the door. So Levi was born at 11.35. I know that at about 11, he came and knocked on the door and Sam and him had a discussion outside of the room and he was due to knock off soon. So he was apparently having the discussion suggesting an episiotomy. Oh. Because things weren't progressing fast enough. And Sam politely declined. Yeah. <laughs> because she knew that I wouldn't want that. And I'd said to her to, you know, make the decision if I'm doing fine, I don't want any intervention. So she politely declined because it wasn't in her opinion that I needed one, which is good. I'm glad yeah. I didn't get one. Yeah. Because I think the process of that for me would have been another big thing, you know? Mm. So it's interesting. I wonder why he thought. Yeah. That, that would maybe happen. I and think maybe he he was trying he was trying to help it along. Obviously, mm-hmm. like no, you know, no um, ill intention. He was trying to help it along, but maybe before he went as well, so that there uh, would be someone there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into talking about what happened then with the tear, because I also yes. want to hear what Sam sort of said about recovery and mm. and well, recovering from having a tear versus recovering from an episiotomy. Yeah. I don't know if she ever sort of discussed any of that with you, mm. but let, let's go first. Yeah. What what happened then? They had to obviously stitch it up. Yep. So um, I had Levi with me for about an hour, and then I had to go, or maybe not even an hour, and then I um, had to go into surgery. So. They took me down to the room. They gave me... Morphine? Yes, morphine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking another word. Anyway, um, they gave me morphine and, you know, the other things you have to have because obviously you can't be knocked out. And they stitched it up and then... So that was about two hours. Okay. So, so you didn't feel it then, the stitching, because they gave no. you medication? Yes. Okay. So my... Because my epidural was still intact, they actually just reconnected that. Ah. But then they had to give me morphine for some reason as well, okay. which I'm unsure of. So I wonder if that was all because of it being such a big tear, whereas in Maybe. smaller tears, and I think sometimes they might just stitch it then and there and yeah, it's probably no, quite they painful. definitely bumped up the epidural mm. so I couldn't feel it. Uh, and then they also had taken the catheter out before I started pushing. Is that what they do? Yeah. Mm. So then they had to put that back in, ah, okay. which was also another kind of complicated thing so yeah so I got stitched up and then came back to the room so I was back in the room with Levi at maybe 2 30 in the morning 
exhausted. I was going to say he'd be absolutely exhausted by <laughs> yep. that point. Yep. And was Levi away? He was, yes. Jason had given him a feed of colostrum that I'd expressed. Thank God. <laughs> and then we tried to breastfeed, but um, just, you know, wasn't happening. Yep. I was tired. He was tired. Uh, so I gave him a feed of colostrum and then Jason had to go because it Bunbury Hospital can't stay. The partner can't stay. Oh, so luckily they'd got nice. him a a room downstairs in like their little kind of emergency doctor's overnight rooms, um, which they don't offer very often, but because it was so late and he was going to be back in a few hours and they knew we lived in Dunsborough, they didn't want him driving. So that was good. But yeah, so Levi and I got moved to a very small little other room <laughs> to sleep and we both woke up at five. I woke up just staring at him you know, for probably 30 minutes, <laughs> waiting for him to wake up. And then he woke up and we had our first feet. Oh. Yeah, so that was lovely. Isn't it such a surreal moment, mm. like seeing your baby like, yeah. first time just staring at me like, did that just happen? Yeah, and because of the whirlwind of, like, holding him and then having to go get stitched. Like, I I didn't let myself think about it too much at the time because it's just what had to happen. Like, mm. I'm a very pragmatic person, you know, don't dwell on what you can't control kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I hadn't thought about the separation period until I was staring at him and I was like, oh, my God, like, that sucks. I've already lost two hours. Mm, yeah. But anyway, it was fine by then. Yeah. <laughs> and how did that first feed go? It was good. He, you know, I, I, I didn't have anything to base it off really, but it was good. He latched. He had a feed. Um, he fell back to sleep. And then I got the urge to vomit. So I rang the bell really quickly to try and get a nurse in. I ended up getting him into the little bassinet on the side right in time. Like I literally popped him down, turned around and vomited all over the floor. What was that from? Um, from the morphine. I was going to say, was that a side effect yeah. from the medication? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And was it just a one-off? Or were you no, still quite nauseous? I spent the morning vomiting. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. So that was, I was quite upset about that because I'd mm. specifically said I didn't want morphine as well as a drug option. And I didn't really understand why I had to have it for the stitches. That is interesting. Which I still don't understand. So, yeah, especially if you yeah. had the epidural in. Like, um, I'm sure there was a reason. Mm. But I don't know. It's hard it. to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. vomiting and nausea is a super, super common side exactly. effect of and morphine. If that is a common side effect of something, I will get it. Yeah, yeah. right. And anyway. the implication on breastfeeding? Um, it just, every time he fed straight after I needed to vomit. So it just made it a little bit stressful from the beginning. Okay. And I wanted to be able to cuddle him after and have those nice, you know, chest on, like skin to skin mo- uh, moments, but they were quite short lived with yeah. a little vomit. So that only lasted for what, like a day or half a day? Um, like 12 hours. Okay. Yeah. We then got um, transferred to Bustleton at about midday. I think I vomited once in the ambulance and then that might've been the last one. Yeah. I say only, but my God, I mean, you're exhausted. Mm. You've now had a tear, which we're going to talk yeah. about recovery. Yeah. You've got a fresh little bubba, yeah. newborn, trying to breastfeed and vomiting yeah. for 12 hours. Yeah. So I also, visiting hours weren't open till seven. And I said to the nurse, I was like, I need my husband to come in here. Like, I need him to be able to hold the baby if I'm feeding and need a vomit. So I called Jason and they let him come up. Good. So that was good. Good on you for, like, sticking up for something. Yeah. Like, um... <laughs> I was like, I'm not bringing that bell and throwing him in a bassinet like he's four hours old or, you know, six yeah. hours old. 
Yeah. So when you got to Bustleton, we then put into one of the units where he can stay. Jason yeah. Can stay. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Such a good hospital. Oh yeah. That's exactly what we wanted. <laughs> yeah. You need your partner yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, you're both trying to learn how yeah. to do this and. Especially overnight. Like mm. you need to physically recover. Yes. So you can't, and you know how it is. You can't actually sleep that well when they're right there because they're right there. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure they're alive. <laughs> yes. So you're checking so, on them every two seconds. Yeah. Did um, Levi do like that 24 hours or 12 hours of like solid sleeping? Like oh, had a yeah. Big rest? yeah. 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 Um, they were also a little bit worried. He was a little bit yellow. He was a little bit jaundiced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just because he wasn't quite actually ready to come out, you mm-hmm. know, with the yeah. induction two weeks early. So. And you just kept feeding him, just yeah, feeding kept together. Feeding him and yeah, moving. Sitting him kind of in the sunlight in the bassinet. Yeah, my midwife, uh, Sam, wasn't, she wasn't too concerned. It was just on their radar. Yeah. 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 I think that's super common mm. for bubbles yeah. to, to have that. Yeah. And then, like, night two or three, did mm. you have that, that experience where Levi was awake all night long? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what you would count as night two because night one was, you know, 11, mm. like midnight. Yeah. But it was probably night three. I reckon the first night we are in Bustleton, he slept you know, mediumly, like it was fine. He woke up and I was ready. I was like, okay, I'm ready. Come on, give him to me. <laughs> I was so excited. And then that second night, yeah, he didn't sleep very much. And it was, you know, changing the nappy through the middle of the night. He straight away from that first day despised having his nappy changed. That never really got better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's just always hated it. Hated, well, he's fine now. He's almost three. Yeah, it was, it lasted a long time, the screeching when you change his nappy and give him a bath. He mm. just did not like being naked. No. <laughs> it was fun. Obviously we, understandable. So funny. We yep. are so in that still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got, he's like 18 months or nearly 19 months. Yeah. And despises mm-hmm. it. Just absolutely hates nappy changes. Yeah. Yep. And baths. I mean, in saying that, literally, I had a, a wrestle with him this morning because he'd done a, done a poo in his pyjamas and then I realised how low it was sitting and the nappy had come under. Oh. So I was trying to, like, get him still, and in that he thought that was so fun. And But then he got angry because I was grabbing his legs. So, you know, nappy changes are still not ideal. I'm like, when can you toilet train? He obviously can, but he's not interested he's yet. He's not ready. No. Oh, funny. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to the, the tear. Yeah. What was the recovery like for you with this? What was the process to actually heal? I don't think I really felt it for the first two to three days because of the medication still in your system and, you know, the giving you medication to numb it still. When it came time to do a poo, <laughs> I became really aware. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'd been having, you know, meloxicol, is that what it's called? Um, and whatever. Movicol. Movicol, yep. thank you. And colloxal. That's it. I was like, I know I've got both words here. <laughs> yeah, I was having those, you know, routinely to try and make it all happen but it was more so after I had done past my first stool that I noticed how difficult it would be to clean oh so it's more a cleaning process yeah like I was obviously extremely nervous doing it and I put the pressure and I you know it was slow and it was good it was exactly how it should be but it was afterwards I was stressed that it wasn't clean properly so you know I was trying with a mirror to look and I was getting a damp flannel and and then I also was scared to touch it because what if it hurt and yeah it's it was, such an unknown down there yeah. already afterwards. And you can't see it. Like, yeah. You can't just look and check. 
So it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's not like having a wound on your arm. No, exactly, yeah. But I didn't find it, like, uncomfortable to sit or stand or any of that. That was all still fine. Um, and then we, when we came home, I suppose I became more aware of it around day five when I was sitting a lot, breastfeeding, and it just became quite, I suppose, swollen, but I couldn't see. Um, it just felt swollen. But I was having Sam visit, you know, I think it was every day for the first week and then every second day for the second week. So she was checking every time and it was fine every time. And then I reckon around day 10, it started to get real itchy, okay. really itchy. It was just the stitches dissolving. Yeah, okay. But it was like unbearable itching mm. and because you can't scratch it. It's mm. just that torture. Yeah. So yeah, that I, does sound like torture. Yeah. <laughs> so I concocted my own ice pack undies scenario. Um, I had just from Kmart an eye patch, a gel eye patch that you put in the freezer for the headaches. So that's now not used for my head anymore. <laughs> and I was, you know, wearing undies with a pad and then the ice pack and then another layer of undies to hold it in. I was wearing that around all the time just to numb it, um, which worked a treat. Came up with your own little DIY yeah, there. which now I've found the same thing in a proper form and stock in my store. So, well, so yeah. we, I want to talk about that as well, because it's funny, there are things available out there mm. to help with these. Now. Sort of, yeah. But <laughs> they probably were back then. I just didn't, you don't know, didn't know about, about them, them or they're not easily yeah. found yeah. or accessible yeah. or maybe they didn't exist. Who knows? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. And when you peed or anything like yeah. that, did that sting at all? Like the acids? I think they did. Yes. Yes, it definitely did. We also didn't have one of those handheld shower heads because we were renovating our house and our shower was terrible. So, you know, everyone was like, oh, just use your handheld shower head. I was like, I don't have one. Um, So we did get like a spray bottle, you know, garden Mm. bottle and just put water in that. But like that was fine for getting the area wet, but it still wasn't you know, if you go too direct on the spray, it was it would have hurt, mm. and then too wide, and you barely feel. You just feel like you're wetting the area, but not cleaning it. Mm. So, so I also saw this morning in our yeah. stock one of those little bottles. Yeah, I don't know what they're called, but they're Perry wash bottles. Perry wash yeah. bottles. So they've got like a little nozzle head to yeah. be able to angle. Yeah, so right you can there. turn it upside down, and then yeah, you squeeze, Squeak. and it's like a gentle flow mm. coming out, which is. Yeah, when I that's actually the first product that got me actually thinking I have to start this store. Yeah. Okay. And you can put a little bit of witch hazel and stuff like that yeah. in there even to help with the cleansing. Yeah. And it can like if you have even any kind of like grays or anything like that mm. down there, just squirting the water there while yeah. you're weeing to neutralize yeah. it can actually help if that if yeah. you're finding that to be painful as well. So Also if you yeah. if you get gastro you know how it starts to really burn when you go to the toilet, oh when you've God. been to the toilet 10 million times, and then it hurts to wipe? Yeah, You can use it for that. So, you know, it's not just for pregnancy. You'll be getting that out yeah. with, your, with your boy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Good idea. <laughs> Let's just squirt your bum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and so how long did it take to actually heal completely? I reckon by three weeks the stitches were dissolved, um, but I was still very aware of it. Yeah, okay. so... Not that it was like it was easy to clean and everything by then, you know, it gotten over the fear of touching <laughs> and wiping the area. But um yeah, it was definitely 
still aware on my mind by then. But I did go see women's health physio at six weeks. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And did you have to do some kind of rehab work to build muscle back up? Yeah, I just did, um, you know, like your own pelvic floor stuff that she gave me the exercises for. She did say that I was close to having a prolapse, Mm -hmm. like mini prolapse. So because I wanted to get back to doing my PT with my friend who's a pre and postnatal specialist, like a personal trainer. So I wanted to get back to going to that. Uh, She she said no, pretty much not yet. So I had to go back in two more weeks and check up and wasn't until 12 weeks that I could return. Yeah. And then that was also a slow return. So it was lucky that I had a a specialized personal trainer. (laughs) Yeah. I think we want to get straight back into it Mm -hmm. and get back to prior to, but yeah. no, no, no. These yeah. things need to take time. I mean, the body's just gone through a huge yeah. process. I think I mainly wanted to get to it mm. so that I had, like, I had one thing that was just mine yeah. to leave the house and do. Yeah, yeah. it's for the mental. Yeah, um, but release. I did start, um, I started back doing Pilates instead. Okay. Yeah, and then eventually got there. She did recommend getting one of those pessary rings, is that what mm. they're called? I didn't know much about them or about the process of the 3C tear. And I, I said, oh, you know, I'll see how they go. And now I wish I did it. Okay. Yeah. But So is that more to strengthen like you're holding it in? and? Yeah, I think like there's been a few instances probably in, in the year or two after having Levi where I would say I was walking and I sneeze, you know, and a little bit trickles when I didn't realise I needed to go to the toilet. Yeah. So I... I don't have, you know, full incontinence or anything. I went to, um, I did like a bit of a core program with my personal trainer when she launched that. So I did that for four weeks to kind of retrain the pelvic floor. Yeah. So that was good. Such an important process, ladies. You need to keep looking after your pelvic floor and we need to just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, ongoing really yeah and I'm lucky that there was so much awareness around it when it happened to me because I think that that was only still like a newish thing that people were talking about Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. okay so I want to sort of jump now over back to that breastfeeding situation for you so do you found the breastfeeding easier to like getting the latching and all of that sort of things is that correct yeah he didn't latch to I think it was my left very well at the beginning but one of the lovely midwives um, made it her mission to get the latch on both perfect before I was leaving hospital okay so that was great um she was you know gentle and and helped me through it so that was really good for the first few weeks it was good my nipples got really cracked like everyone's do but I didn't quite realised the difference with mine was because I'd had a breast reduction six six years ago, so I had it in 2015, seven years ago, I wasn't, I didn't know if I'd be able to breastfeed. So, you know, I was happy when I could, but I didn't realise that my nipples were then flat. Ah. Uh, yeah. I, I just didn't know that was a thing. I um, didn't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I am with you there. Yeah. I, yeah. We don't, like, definitions of, no. like, what's a flat nipple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now I know because I yeah. got it. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, so I just didn't realise that that was causing issues. Yeah, can make yeah. it a little bit harder for them to get yeah. on the right latch. Yeah, like he'd get on a latch easy, but it wouldn't last very long. Mm. And I didn't realise that that was probably due to my nipples. Now, you know, there's all different nipple shields out there and stuff, so I'm sure I'll be able to find an, a flat or inverted nipple shield eventually in the future when I next have a child. But also, leave I vomited at every single feed. Not a little tiny little, you know, spit up. It was a full-on vomit. So everything that was going in was basically coming out in my mind. 
which was really stressful. Did that start early on? That started at probably two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So not a newborn, like you feed, you, you were vomiting no. and your baby's vomiting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, start. that would have been lovely. <laughs> Could you imagine? Okay, but two yeah. weeks still, yeah. Very yeah. Young. And then, oh, so, you know, when they're old enough to start taking Infocol and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I started doing that stuff. At six weeks, my nipples were cracked. He was vomiting. I was tired. It wasn't working. And I thought, he's probably not getting anything. I just really was unaware of how much he was consuming. So we gave him a bottle. We were going to mix feed. So we did that for a few weeks. And I was pumping three times a day. You know, so I'd like feed, have a 30-minute pump, feed, have a 30-minute pump, and then maybe give him a bottle to give my boobs a break. And then a pump again. You know, I was just feeding, pumping on, on cycle. But after four weeks of trying that, I was only getting... 30 mils a day okay. pumping. So that's over like three to four pumping sessions of half hour each. Oh, 30 mil yeah. in total. Mm. Over, yes, Which I didn't realise wasn't much. You know, you don't know until no. you start talking to people about it. So I realised that wasn't anything. So then I was stressed about how much he was actually getting. Was he putting on weight? He was, but not very much. He was a very okay. small baby. Okay. And, and was he having wet nappies and stuff still? Yeah. Okay. So, so they were the concerned looked, about him. No. Okay. No, but I, I was, you know, because yeah. if I'm only pumping 30 mils, then what on earth is he getting? Well, it, the interesting thing is we don't know what he would exactly. be getting. So he might have different. been he might have been way more efficient yeah. than the pump. And yeah. also because he's on there, you're releasing different hormones because yeah. you're connecting, so you might yeah. be producing more milk. Yeah. So it's very hard to yes. tell. I know that some people who just don't get anything really from the pump. Yeah. But yeah. can breastfeed yes. baba no problem yeah so. so the other factor was that whenever we were out in public mm. and I'd feed he he started at I reckon eight weeks he started just being real fussy and when I say fussy I mean like you know you'd, you'd get your boob out pop the head there he would just be fighting it shifting oh. his head back and forth screaming if he could say get away from me he would have been <sighs> But he was using his hands, pushing it away. Oh, wow. Screaming, like getting so angry that he couldn't find it kind of thing. It was really strange. But so basically I was sitting in public wherever I was, boob out, child screaming bloody murder. So everyone was looking. And then I'd end up giving up, you know, putting putting my boob away, (laughs) sitting him up. He'd be absolutely distraught and I would just have to go home because... I'd even try in the car and he still wouldn't be settled. So that was a really stressful, like, four weeks of not knowing what on earth was going on. I had a bit of a store in the freezer by then of some breast milk, so I started bringing that out with us. And then by then a doctor had told me to use thickener in, in it to try and help his vomiting. So I was using thickener and then by 12 weeks he just refused my boob altogether. We woke up on the day of 12 weeks, went for the morning feed, he pretty much said no, thank you. Wow. Yeah. So he was refusing the boot. Was he taking the bottle with the breast he milk? He was taking the bottle with the breast milk, yeah. So that's why in my, like that's why now I've pretty much come to the conclusion myself that it was the nipple. Right. He was struggling to latch to the nipple. Right. Yeah, and that was with nipple shields and everything because the nipple shields didn't really do anything for me because I didn't realise that I had a flat nipple and they weren't made for that. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, oh, yeah, so, it was just so confusing. Oh, it's so challenging. Yeah. Breastfeeding is yeah. not always that easy. No. Just pop them on and they'll go. It's yeah. just it's such a challenge. And it is also hard mentally when you're seeing, because I was at a mother's group by then, 
and the first mother's group was at six weeks. I was exclusively breastfeeding. That week I'd started introducing the bottle and everyone else in my group was also ex- exclusively breastfeeding except for one lady uh, who was formula feeding. I, unfortunately, I don't know much about her scenario. But then as the six weeks progressed, you know, you go to the session, everyone else is feeding and, and I start whipping out a bottle or I just, I could see the change based on everyone else not changing. Yeah. So everyone else was successfully breastfeeding, you know, whether they were having their struggles or not, they were getting their boobs out and it was just happening, you know? I think that's the hardest thing yeah. is the mother's groups. I don't mm. know that they're always the best thing because yeah. a lot of that comparison stuff yeah. happens yeah. and there's a lot of advice still thrown around from Yeah, <laughs> well, from, to be fair, my mother's group was amazing and I'm still friends oh, with yeah, a good handful of beautiful. them now and they've been a great support. But it was, it was the just the obvious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What happened next? Like what was really going yeah. on then? So by the time we decided to go onto formula at 12 weeks, booked him into the doctors because I wanted to make sure that I was using the right formula and try and figure out this viewing because I was not having a bar of it. I was so done. So the doctor said, okay, let's just give him, you know, two-ish weeks on the formula, see if the spewing reduces or increases, you know. So we did that. He was basically drinking a whole bottle and vomiting a whole whole bottle from my visual estimation anyway. And then we went on to goat's milk. No, it was A2 first. We tried the A2 formula. It didn't work. So we gave that two weeks because each time we gave it two to three weeks. Mm. So then we went to goat's milk formula, which seemed to work for a month. Uh, His vomiting didn't stop, but it reduced. He wasn't vomiting as much. Also, he was like burping better now. Okay. Which I think the the gas thing was a big issue before. I was always trying to burp him, but it wasn't really happening. It wouldn't be a burp, it would be a vomit. Vomit, yeah. Yes, so I can't, don't really know time-wise where I am in this, but it was at about six months that we started introducing, I think they're called lactase drops, Mm -hmm. so they're lactose-free drops, so you can pop in the formula. So we're popping them into goat's milk, even though that is lactose-free-ish. That didn't really work. And then at about seven months, he got he got a cold, just a run-of-the-mill little cold. But his cough lasted. It lasted, like, weeks. You know, his cold was long gone and he was coughing really bad. And then he got a rash around his mouth. He was quite a rashy kid. Like, I have eczema. Jason, you know, gets allergies. So we just put it down to he's got allergies too. And one day, though, the rash started to look real bad and I was getting a bit concerned. So I booked him into just whatever doctor I could get. Luckily, it was a lovely doctor, um, and she said, she's like, based on the fact that he has a cough, he's vomiting, and he has a rash, I think it's a complete cow's milk protein allergy. And I was like, oh, well, we're already giving him goat's milk. And she said, no, there's still the protein present in goat's milk. I was like, oh, God, so what options are we? Because, like, we've already tried them all. And then she told me about there was three, and they were allergy-specific formulas, um, so you could only get one of them in Dunsborough <laughs> and it was the most expensive one. So we tried it and it worked instantly. Was that on the prescription? No. No, okay. No. Yeah. But you saw straight, straight away. Straight away, stop vomiting. Wow. Yeah, like the vomiting literally stopped. Oh, my God. And what was your thought then? Like I, just- was, I was so relieved. I was like, how on earth did this take eight months? Like that is ridiculous. I also over the following weeks started to then feel a lot of guilt because it was a goat's milk protein allergy. I never stopped 
eating cheese milk bread um not bread <laughs> cheese milk you know chocolate i was eating lactose and and milk the entire time i was breastfeeding him yeah so then came in the thoughts of we could have breastfed which is not certain because of my breast reduction the flat apple like there was a lot of other factors but it could have been a factor if i'd cut it out yeah but i just didn't i don't know my sister definitely suggested it to me i don't know why i didn't listen <laughs> i think well firstly there's a lot going on mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, first baby, yeah. lots of advice yeah. um, that you're trying to filter through and just yeah. like a lot of emotions and stuff and you're just doing your best. Yeah. So that's sort of where you're at with it. I think it's just a case of that women need so much more support with breastfeeding mm. and if we all were able to have more consults maybe with an LC yeah. and tracking over a certain period of time to really coach and problem yeah. solve and work through these things to get to what the root cause of it is yeah. because it's really hard yeah. to know what's going on. And then also in the defence of my private midwife, <laughs> everything was absolutely great for those first six weeks that I had all of those regular checkups with mm. her. And then it was January and she went away on a family vacation, yeah. which she gets to maybe once a year because mm. obviously you've got births every month. So those two to three weeks when it really started to break down, I wasn't in contact with Mm. the private midwife. So not that that had anything to do with it, but like the support that I had already had previously, Mm. I didn't have in that that time where it then so happened to be crunch time. Mm. So I should, I think I should have reached out to a lactation consultant, but I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I just I just put it down to my breast reduction really. Yeah. So well, like I said, there's so much going yeah. on and it's it's hard to know where to it's go nice and what in to hindsight do. to look at what you could have done. Exactly. And I think yeah. hindsight is not really helpful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nothing there's no point in dwelling on it really. Yeah. Were there other signs? Like was it mainly the the rush and the vomiting or was there like cramping and pain and discomfort? In him? Yeah. He was extremely unsettled as a baby. Um he would sleep fine. Like he would sleep good for a, you know, for a baby. Uh, they all wake up through the night, obviously. But he, he did have a lot of trouble, like, passing gas. And he would sit, but tummy time was not a thing that existed for him. I, every time I put him on his stomach from, you know, day one when, you know, when you start it, every time I'd put him on his stomach, he would vomit. So then it started this mental thing in his mind where that was not a place he wanted to be because he was going to vomit and generally pop his head in it as well. So it was a real, yeah, it was a real trigger. (laughs) So because he didn't do tummy time, he also didn't roll and then he subsequently didn't crawl either. So he didn't actually crawl till it was two. Oh, wow. But he walked at 14 months. (laughs) <laughs> so, so when they say yeah. you should grow up before you walk yeah no not the no, case bum scoot to pull up to walk <laughs> however they They'll get find there find their own way <laughs> yeah ex- well exactly yeah that's yeah. so yeah clever little boy yeah. <laughs> that caused a lot of stress to me as well as it does because you're watching everyone else happily crawling mm. around climbing on things rolling over and like he just wasn't adventurous because he wasn't a crawler which is good he wasn't one to crawl away from me. I didn't have to worry about him crawling off the top of a wall or none of that. But, mm. you know, on the other hand, it, it caused then a separation anxiety because he didn't want to be away from me and, 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And um, how is he now, like, with the milks, dairies? Yeah, milk he's pretty good. He's basically – so we did the milk ladder um, dairy reintroduction at about 14 months. Uh, that worked well. Um, when he was maybe 18 months, his rash reappeared around his mouth. So he was fully back onto milk and dairy products by then, but the rash reappeared and it lasted for about six months. That's a whole different story of, you know, diagnosing that. But one doctor did say maybe it's a lactose thing. So we went to see a dietitian um, down here that we got a referral to. And, yeah, so now she confirmed she's said it's definitely not allergic, but it's mildly lactose intolerant. So now he drinks, you know, normal milk, but it's lactose-free milk. And he has yogurt, but I get the lactose-free yogurt. I do give him, you know, when we're at a birthday party and there's cake, I'll give him the cake. It's fine. Mm. We're not that strict on it. And, you know, if he... If he gets chocolate at someone's house, whatever, he'll just have a bit runnier poos later. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's the enzyme then that breaks down the dairy, the milk. It's interesting. Do either you or your partner have a lactose intolerance? We both, yeah. I mean, pretty much, yeah. We just deal with it, you know. Uh, We have, we drink almond or oat milk uh, instead of normal milk in our coffees. But then I also eat chocolate and ice cream and whatever else with no issue. But I will get bloated or, you know, I think it was a little while ago, I had a chocolate thick shake somewhere and oh my gosh, I got cramps. I got the runs. It was terrible. And I was like, oh, okay. Yep. I am actually yeah, small doses only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a huge portion of the population, like worldwide, yeah. that can't digest yeah. lactose free loose So it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And how lucky now that you can do things like lactose free milks oh, and so yogurt. Good. Yeah. And probably chocolate and yeah. all the good things. Yeah. Ice cream. <laughs> it is. It's good. Yeah. I mean, the other day we were at his grandparents' house and, and everyone was having a bowl of ice cream after dinner because it was a treats for family thing. And I said, oh, is there anything else? Because lactose-free, like I just don't want to do that before bed tonight. He already doesn't sleep very well at other people's houses. So we gave him jelly. And luckily we told everyone else, like all the older kids, to call their ice cream jelly because, oh. you know, he's three. Tantrums can be over anything. Um, so everyone was hiding <laughs> their bowl, like it was in a deep bowl, and they were eating it down low and calling it jelly. Oh, so that's it's good. So you just got to have everyone on board. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Poor yeah. little man. <laughs> Tantrums, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, we could have given it to him, but I just, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't it's want it to be a factor it. of him not sleeping that night. No, yeah. no. Beautiful. Well, I think I, we're kind of coming to the part now where we want to talk about your business. <laughs> yes. So you've now got an my online. <laughs> yeah, your new baby, um, your online business, Nurture Her Boutique. Yeah. And so with this business, first of all, why did you start it? Well, my initial thought came in because my sister launched her doula business, which we generally follow the same path in the way of what kind of industry we go into. Um, We were both florists together right before this. And then now she started this doula business and I was looking for a little congratulations present. I wanted something I could put into her toolkit that she takes to births and stuff. So I was looking around Dunsborough, went into all the little shops and I was struggling hard. It was like there's there's pregnancy tea or there's raspberry leaf tea or nipple cream. I'm like, where's the middle? Where's all the stuff you need for birth and postpartum? I just couldn't find it. So I, I gave her a book, which is fine. You know, books are great. But that's just not what I wanted to give her. And then I was having a facial that I was booked in for that day. And in the time where I was basically asleep, it was bliss. I thought to myself, I need to start this shop. 
I need to, I needed all this stuff, but when I found it, it was too late or like by the time I thought, oh, I could really do with that breast pump, it was going to take two weeks to get here. So yeah, I just thought of it straight away and I thought of the name in that session, like in that sleeping facial session. So that was pretty perfect. Oh, wow. And what's her name? Is she down here doing boutique? Yeah. Uh, Boutique. Oh my God. Doing jeweler. Yeah. Her name's Amanda Rose and her business is Birth of You. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And in the whole Southwest area, she do just dance for us? Um, She's only just started out as well. So we both started the businesses around July, no, okay. around May. Yeah. 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 So she's done, done one birth and she's got another one coming up. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. to take off. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of your story with us and talking through all of these sort of challenges that we all sort of go through. Yeah, no worries. Um, oh, before I, before we wind up, I just want to know what was sort of out of all the things that you've got in your store, yeah. what sort of tool do you think was like your biggest lifesaver if you used it or could have used it? Out of things in my store, I reckon the Perry wash bottle, but then paired with there's a Perry spray. So that takes the sting away and makes sure it's like sanitary and clean. So what's in the Perry spray? Witch hazel, aloe, and there's something else, but I can't remember the name of it. I was going to say mainly those two things there, the soothing and cleaning. Yeah, it's a little, little bottle so you could put it in your pocket basically or in your handbag you know it's not a big obnoxious container with hazel in your handbag when you need to go out hey let me just bring out uh, yeah. my throat spray yeah yeah, yeah uh, so i reckon those two things great mm-hmm. so if anyone wants to find you or any of your amazing products online yeah. where can they find you uh on instagram nurture her boutique i'm also on facebook and then there's my website nurtureherboutique.com beautiful yeah. thank you so much jess thank for joining you. us it's been great yeah it's been great thank you Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Alex. This show was brought to you by Batika Co.